Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. This summer, we're walking through the book of Romans, taking a master class from the rich and powerful book of the New Testament. Romans is one of the greatest books of the Bible. It is the essence of the gospel and provides the rich doctrine of our faith. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and God has used it to change the hearts of men and ultimately the world. In Romans, we see the impact of our sin, which reveals our deep need for God, and then the importance of living out our faith in Jesus today. Whether a lifelong student of the Bible to a first-time believer, this is a masterclass for everyone. Let's listen in. All God's people said together, amen. Amen, church. You can have a seat. Good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It is so good to be together today and to worship our great God. Welcome right here at our Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus. So thankful that you're joining in wherever you're joining in from. Uh, Chloe told us that uh, there's 49 states that have been joining in on Sundays. So if anybody knows anybody from South Dakota, be sure to invite them because (laughs) we're going to hit all 50. But so grateful for you guys and all that God's doing in his church family. And we are so blessed and happy Father's Day to everybody here. All the dads that are here, we're so proud of you guys. I'm so thankful for all the dads. You are amazing. You know, it's not easy being a dad all the time, but I love being a dad and just to pour in to our families and to be able to teach them about Jesus and to encourage them. And so thank you, dads, because you are making a difference. I had a chance to to run down real quick to middle school, high school camp that was down in Panama City uh, this week. So went down on Thursday night. When your high school daughter asks you to be in a lip sync battle, then you've got to go, you know. So went down and we had a blast. But I just want to tell you, I just love watching these students. I mean, raising up the next generation in Christ. The Connect team right over here. Hey, guys, we're so glad you're here. Let's give them a big hand. They are here all week. With our elementary students, it's going to be packed out this week and next week. I love what God's doing through Connect, and so thankful for you guys. And we've got Wonder Camp for preschool. God is doing a great work, and I'm always calling this the next generation, the revival generation, because I truly believe God's going to raise up a generation that's going to be after his heart. With everything going on in the world today, we need revival to come, and that's what God is doing. And so I'm so grateful for you guys, but I want you to know revival begins at home. And so dads, as you love, as you serve, as you live, moms, so thankful for you, grandparents, you are making a difference. And praise be to God, all glory to our great God. Hey, today, welcome back to our series. We're in this master class series on the book of Romans. Okay, I love it. I mean, I'm just like getting into it, you know, because it is so good and the feedback's been great. All the things God's teaching us. Last week was the halfway point. We're in Romans chapter eight, which is probably my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Uh, But man, if you missed, go back and watch, go back and listen, because so good, so deep, so rich, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now we've seen that there's really kind of four different divisions there in the book of Romans. Romans 1 through 3 is about God's wrath, okay? So that's pretty hard, but holy God, 
sinful man, right? And so he saw the, the sins of the Gentiles, the sins of the Jews. It says in Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us has made mistakes. So there's God's wrath. But then Romans 4 through 8 is all about God's grace. By God's grace, right? Romans 6, 33. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise be to God for that right there, you know? Then today we start the next section, the next division. And it's this, it talks about God's plan. God's plan. So we've seen God's wrath, we've seen God's grace, and now we see God's plan. And when you see this today, what the Apostle Paul is doing is saying, hey, God's had a plan the entire time. If God's had a plan. Go back to the Old Testament. God's always had a plan. God's always had a purpose, right? And in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't give up on them. God set the motion a plan to redeem mankind. And I want you to see that today. And what God, I pray, will say to you is that God has a plan for your life. You are not an accident. You're not an accident that you were born at this time in history. You're not an accident where you are, what family you're in. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And when we begin to know that and embrace that, changes everything in our lives. So let's go on that journey together today. If you have God's word with you, open with me to Romans chapter nine. Romans chapter nine. If you need a Bible and you're here, there's some in the back. If you're online, go to the Rolling Hills app. We've got the scripture for you right there. But love for us to dig into God's word today. Romans chapter nine. So pick up here, Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome. He has never visited this church. He's always wanted to go. But he writes this deep theology, this deep doctrine. And then we'll get to Romans 12 where he says, here's how to live it out. But Romans 9, he says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. So remember, Paul is Jewish. Right? Apostle Paul is Jewish, grew up Jewish, became a Pharisee, studied the Old Testament backwards and forwards, was a leader of the Jewish people. And then in Acts chapter 9, he commits his life to Jesus. And like full on, man, like, you know, Bill was talking about all in. He was just all in and said, I'm going to live my life for Christ. So he didn't go back to being a Pharisee, right? But he always had a heart for the Jewish people. He always had a heart for Israel. Even though all these Gentiles, non-Jewish people are coming to know Christ, he still had a heart for the Jews. He said, theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the ancestor, human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. So Paul goes, look, we, we all become Christians and just throw out everything. You don't just throw out the entire Old Testament. No, God was doing something big in the Old Testament. God was carving out this people for himself, right? He was showing them the worship. He was revealing his character, revealing his nature. And then he was bringing the Messiah, Jesus, the salvation of the world. See, it's not as though God's word had failed. Verse six, for not all who descended from Israel are Israel. We'll break that down in a minute, okay? nor because they are descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical, physical descent 
who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. Okay, so he's like, it's not just about being born a Jew, right? That God is opening it up to everybody here. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Okay, so Sarah, who was Abraham's wife. And then you see the promise from the patriarchs continue down through Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Well, not only that, but Rebekah's children who were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. So all those things, those stories you studied in Sunday school, it's all right here. Okay, we're just kind of going back through all the VBS that you went through. Here it is. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election, we'll see that in a minute, might stand not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. And you get to that, you're like, wow, that's really strong, right? What's he talking about? Well, you may remember that Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and Esau sold his own birthright to his brother, Jacob, for a cup of soup. I mean, like, come on, man. You know, but he did, right? He was tired. He was famished. He's like, okay, you can have the birthright. Here you go, right? For a cup of soup. And, and when you see that, you go like, man, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. goes back to Malachi. The word hated literally means to love less, love less. And you see that. One day there was a seminary professor. He was teaching and his student came up to him afterwards. and goes, man, I really struggle with this verse, right? Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. I loved less. And the seminary professor goes, yeah, I struggle with it too, but maybe not for the same reasons as you do. He goes, I struggle with it because why did God even love Jacob? <laughs> right? I mean, like, why, why did God even love him? I mean, why does God even love us? I mean, he is sovereign God, but yet he loves us. That is incredible news right there. Well, what then shall we say to this? Is God unjust? No, not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. We'll unpack that in a minute. For scripture says to Pharaoh, now remember Pharaoh, you remember when the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt and God raised up Moses and Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let God's people go. You remember that all thing, right? Well, God raised up Pharaoh. It says, for scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Guys, just think about that. That's how God and why God raised every one of us up. <laughs> God raised us up so that his name might be proclaimed in all the earth, that God would be glorified through our lives. God had a plan for Pharaoh and God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for you. Well, therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. One of you will say to me then, why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? Sometimes we look at our lives and we go, well, God, why me, you know? Why was I born here? Why do I live here, you know? I and mean, what about other people? I mean, why can't I be born a king or a queen? Why can't I be born a celebrity or a rock star? And God's going, I've got a use for you. I've got a plan for you. I haven't forgotten about you. 
There's special purposes, there's common purposes, but you're a part of that plan. Man, there's a lot more prophecy here, but skip over to verse 30. He says, what then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. Gentiles, remember us, non-Jewish, we attained it, right, by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not obtained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. Man, we all have a chance to stumble there, don't we? Because we all want to earn it. We struggle with grace because we want to earn it. We want to do good works. We want God to go, wow, good job. You, you're amazing. Yeah, come into my kingdom, right? We want to earn it. And that's what happened with the Jewish people. God gave the law, 613 laws in the Old Testament. And then they began to worship the law and try to be really, really, really good. And they forgot about God, the relationship with God. Why I even do this to grow in my relationship with him. Look at this, what he says. He said, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus. People stumble over Jesus. What do I believe about Jesus? But if you believe in him, you will never be put to shame. That is incredible, right? Check your shame at the door, right? Because you are forgiven. You are redeemed. You're a new creation in Christ because of Jesus. All right, let's unpack this. If you've got a worship guide with you, if you've got a pen, if you want to take some notes, if you're online and you want to pull up a, on the app, you can take some notes there online. But man, there's a lot to pull up here, right? Romans 9, whoo, I mean, it's a big chapter here for us, okay? But let's look at this together. Salvation is through Jesus alone. Here's what Paul coming back to is coming and saying, listen, salvation is through Jesus alone, okay? Look, he keeps going in this verse. He says, there's the children of Israel, Old Testament. Think about that, the Old Testament, which means covenant, by the way, too. Old covenant, new covenant, new testament. There's Old Testament are the patriarchs. And from them, patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the leaders, right, of the Israel nation there, are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah. Everything in the Old Testament is about the coming Messiah. So when you read the Old Testament, it's like the coming Messiah, the coming Messiah. Who the Messiah, who is God, overall, forever praised, amen. Jesus, fully God, fully man. God sent his one and only son for us. So everything in the Old Testament is leading up to the Messiah. Everything from there back looks back to Jesus right? Paul had a heart for his own people. What I love about this, verses one through five, Paul didn't just go, okay, well, the Jews, right? They, you've rejected Jesus, so I'm going to go to the Gentiles and forget you. He had a heart for his own people. He didn't go back and become a Pharisee, right? Make it all about the law, but he kept praying. He kept encouraging. He kept writing. He kept saying, I want all people to know Jesus. Sometimes when people accept Christ, Right? And they give their hearts and lives to Christ. They go, man, I can't go back to my family or I can't go back to those friends. I can't go back. And, and sometimes you, you don't need to, right? I mean, you are delivered out of, man, you were doing things that were wrong. You were delivered from that life. You were things that they had a bad influence on you. But you always have a heart for people. 
You always have a heart for your family. You always have a heart that people would come to know Jesus. And, and whether that's continuing to pray, whether that's sending emails, whether it's mailing them a book, whether it's just encouraging them, that you have a family for a reason. And Paul realized that, like, hey, I was, I was delivered out of this. I came to know Jesus, but I still have a heart for my people. And I pray that we would all have a heart and go, God put me in a family for a reason. God gave me extended family for a reason. And I can be praying for them. I can be encouraging them. I can be reaching out to them. Paul always had a heart. Look at this. God has a heart for all people. Don't miss that. God has a heart for the Jews and the Gentiles, for the slave, for the free, for the male, for the female. We are all one in Christ Jesus, right? God has a heart for all people. The most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That God wants to spend eternity with us, right? That God wants to spend eternity, but he's holy God, we're sinful man. So God sent his son to pay the price that we could have eternity with him. Look, salvation is not about where you were born, right? You didn't have to be born a Jew, right? It's not about what your family believes. Praise God if you have godly parents or grandparents, thank the Lord. Or how good you are, Salvation is through a personal relationship with Jesus alone. And where this plays out is sometimes you'll talk to people and they'll, and they'll say, hey, are you a Christian? They go, well, yeah, I'm, real, I'm religious. You know, my, my family's been in the same church, you know, for generations. Like, great, that's awesome. Like, but what about you? <laughs> like, have you ever accepted Christ? Are you following Christ? Have you committed your life to Christ? Or, is he the Lord of your life? Are you following him? It says in Ephesians, right? For it is by grace that you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one should boast. It's not like I'm so good, God's got to accept me. <laughs> I'm better than everybody else. No, 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 no. It's the grace of God. You know, we go, we do a biblical study tour to Israel every couple of years. We'll go back in October of 24. And if you've never been to Israel, I mean, you ought to go at some point. I mean, it is a bucket list. It is amazing. You see all the scripture you've studied come to life. And there's times that people come back and they go, oh, that was so incredible. We just need to be Jewish, right? We need to get prayer shawls and phylacteries. And, and I'm like, oh, time out, right? No, we're not called to be Jewish, right? We're called to be Christians. We're called to be followers of Christ. We love the Jewish people. We are so grateful and so thankful. We need the Old Testament. We don't just throw it out. But God has called us in Jesus. God's made a way for us in Christ. And we can learn so much from Judaism. We can learn so much from the Old Testament. But our foundation and our salvation is not found in where we were born. It's found in Jesus alone. Okay, look at this one. Our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. And I want you to see this today because Paul says, well, is it not as though God's word had failed? For not all who descended from Israel are Israel. And what he's saying is there are Messianic Jews. There are Jews who believe in Jesus. Now, there is no doubt that God's hand has been on the Jewish people, right? You go to Israel today, 6.7 million people living in Israel today, and you just go, wow, how in the world have they survived everything throughout the centuries? I mean, it's unbelievable. First time I was there, I saw this shirt, and it had like God's hand on the Jewish people. And it said, look at this, you know, and it had the Egyptian empire crossed out, right? It had the Philistines crossed out, the Amorites 
crossed out, right? The Persian Empire crossed out. All these people who persecuted the Jews. Babylonian Empire crossed out. The Nazis crossed out, right? And then we still stand, is what it said. We still stand. You know, you're like, how in the world have they been through so much? There's a book called Thou, Thou Shalt Prosper. And it's talking about how the Jews are, many are wealthy, you know, like many lead NASDAQ companies and are very successful. And you're thinking, how in the world? Well, God has been faithful to his people. So God's going to work that out, like, right? But it comes back to knowing that God's faithfulness in our lives. So when you, not by physical descent, but you commit your life to Christ, you can know this, that God is with me, that God is for me, that God will fight my battles. I only need to be still. That God is going to protect me and provide for me all the days of my life. Look, it's not replacement theology, okay? It is master class today. Sorry, so we're kind of getting into this. But, but there's a lot of people who go, well, now we're New Testament people, so just throw out the Old Testament, right? Just throw out Israel. And you're going, ah, oh, that's not replacement theology. But Paul's heart is for the Jews and for all to know Jesus. God used the Jewish people to reveal his character, reveal his will, and to bring the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So that's important for us to know. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jew, Gentile, everybody, that's what Jesus came for. And so it's a relationship with God through Jesus. There is a remnant. There is a remnant. A remnant of Jewish people who believe in the Messiah. There's a remnant of Christians. A lot of times people go, well, I live in America, so man, I'm saved automatically. And you're like, ah, not so much, right? Because the Bible is very clear. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. There is a remnant there. God will always be faithful to his people. And what I want you to get from this, right? I know it's a lot, but man, that God's gonna be faithful to you. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You may go through struggles in your life like the Jewish people. You may go through times that you go, man, I can't believe I walked through divorce. I walked through the death of a loved one. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I've walked through struggles. I've walked through job transitions. I've walked through boyfriends and girlfriends. I've walked through all these areas of my life. But I am going to hold on to God because God is faithful. And God's doing something bigger than I can see, bigger than I can imagine. And I don't know when it's all going to play out, but I'm just going to stay faithful. I'm not giving up on God because I know God will never give up on me. Hold on to that one. All right, look at this. In salvation, we see the intersection of the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man. Sovereignty literally means God is in charge. He is God and we are not, right? He is overall, he created it all. Sovereignty of God. Free will means that God didn't make us robots. God gave us a choice. You have a choice to sin or not sin, right? You have a choice to do things that honor God or to not honor God. You know that. I know that. There's days when you just go, oh, and then there's days you go, okay, I'm going to humble myself before the Lord. I'm going to pray. But you see both at play right here, especially in salvation. Look, it does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort but on God's mercy, but on God's mercy. So think about that for you. We struggle all the time, but it's God's mercy. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. 
Soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. So for everybody who was trying to fill in the blanks early, I don't know if you got that one, but <laughs> there we go. Soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. And a lot of times, every, every generation, right? How does that work? How am I saved? How do I come to have this everlasting relationship with God? That's the study of salvation. Now, there's two schools of thought since the 1500s. Calvinism and Arminianism, okay? There were a lot of people who were saved before, you know, 1500. For 1500 years, people were being saved. But then all of a sudden, in 1500s, it became about Calvinism and Arminianism. And it's important to kind of know this. that Calvinism is about, right, the sovereignty of God. John Calvin, 1500s, like a reformed, you know, theologian, and he talked about the tulip, okay? So tulip is this, and these are the five tenets of Calvinism, the five points. You've got the T, total depravity. Total depravity of man. I didn't put this in the notes. This is bonus day right now. It's master class. You get a little extra today. So total depravity of man. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. The U is this, unconditional election. Remember we saw that word election in here? That God elects, that God has chosen you. The L is limited atonement. And what that means is that what Calvinism would say is that Jesus only died on the cross for those he knew would accept him. So limited atonement, right? Then you've got this, the I, irresistible grace. That God is drawing us to himself, that God's inviting us in, irresistible. And then the P is perseverance of the saints. Meaning once you've accepted Christ, you can never lose your salvation. So there'll be a lot of people who come up and they'll say, man, are you a Calvinist? Are you a five-point Calvinist? Are you a four-point Calvinist, right? You don't believe in limited atonement. Are you a three-point Calvinist? And at some point, you know, you kind of go, well, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm a follower of Jesus, right? Put Jesus first, not John Calvin, not Jacob Arminianism, not, not anybody else, not any pastor, not anybody else. Put him first. Now, there's a lot we can learn, but put Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Okay, Arminianism would say it's all about free will, right? That God created you with a mind that you accept Jesus or you reject Jesus. It's up to you. And it puts the onus on us. But the point is this, the sovereignty of God, the free will of man. Our enemy longs to bring division, but we're called to be united in Jesus. And what the enemy wants to do is to come along and go, okay, you've got to find people who just believe the way you do. They're just Calvinists, or look, they're just Arminianists, or, you know, they're just this. You can see Presbyterians would fall more in the Calvinist line. You got Methodists that would fall more with John Wesley and over here in the line of Arminianism. And here's the thing, guys. Don't let that divide us. Satan has come in, but we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I love theology. I love diving into God's word. I love the doctrine. I want us to grow deeper in Christ. But to realize, don't let anything like that divide us. Let those things draw us close to the heart of God. Let everything, because we don't know. He is sovereign. I love the illustration, right? There's a drowning man. You're out there in the ocean. You're drowning. A boat comes by, throws the lifeline. The drowning man, right, gets the lifeline and gets pulled in and rescued to safety. And the thing is, it's true because we are drowning in our sins. We are dead. We have no hope or help. And God comes by, throws the lifeline. God does all the work in salvation. God throws the lifeline to us. God pulls us into the boat. We are rescued and saved, and it's by God's grace. But you'll see next week, Romans 10, 13, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You got to grab onto that rescue net. You got to grab onto that lifeline, right? You respond. So do you see the tension 
of both there. But look at this. Don't harden your heart to God. Don't harden your heart to God. And this is what can happen. Remember he's talking about Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Talk about Pharaoh back in the Old Testament. There were 10 times where it says Pharaoh hardened his heart and 10 times where it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And what can happen in our lives is we harden our heart to God. God's drawn us to himself. God's inviting us to have a relationship with him. And we just go, no, nope, not gonna do it, God. And we get hard-hearted after a while. And that's what happened to Pharaoh. He got hard-hearted to God. A plague came, another plague, another plague, another plague. Finally, he relented. But it was 10 plagues. God's getting his attention. Don't harden your heart to God. Maybe, 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 maybe you've hardened your heart to God in salvation. Maybe you know, man, I need to accept Christ, but you know what? I'm older. I should have done that earlier. I'm not going to do that. And you start hardening your heart. Maybe you've hardened your heart in baptism. Maybe God's been speaking to you about being baptized and you just go, no, not going to do it. And every time somebody's baptized, you're just like looking, you're watching, you're like, ah, it should be me. But you start to harden your heart. Maybe you're hardening your heart about serving. <laughs> and God's going, it's time to get involved. It's time to jump into church. It's time to serve. And you're like, nope, I don't know enough. I don't know. And you start, harden, don't harden your heart to God because God has a plan and a purpose for you. I love what Dwight L. Moody, he used this great description. He said, it's like walking down a hallway, salvation is, and you have these different doors. There's this door over here, it's the way of the world, and you can live your life for the way of the world and money and success and fame, and that's your God, right? Or you have these other, you know, religions, these different doors, and then you come and there's Jesus. And Jesus is inviting you in, in salvation. And you come and you're looking at these different doors and you're thinking, what will I choose? What will I do? And you see Jesus and he invites you in and you follow Christ. You commit your life to Christ and you walk into that room and there's this beautiful spread. There's this beautiful feast that's laid out for you. And you're like, wow, and the joy that comes over you. And then you look and there's a name card and it says your name right there. And you're like, what? My name, and you look back and over the door, it says, I always knew you would come. I always knew you would come. And that's God drawing you to his heart, God inviting you in, and God saying, listen, I've got a plan for you, you, and your name is on it. Nobody in the world is exactly like you. All right, look at this one. As Christ followers, we are called to share the good news of Jesus. Guys, we're called to share the good news of Jesus. As it is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Look, Jesus, Jesus is the defining moment of history and for every person. It all comes down to Jesus. The entire Old Testament leading up to Jesus. The entire New Testament looking back to Jesus, right? All of history is split in two because of Jesus. I mean, think about that. Jesus' birthday, we celebrate. Christmas, it was zero, right? All the dates. Whenever you celebrate a birthday, you're coming back to celebrating Jesus' birthday because all of history, the defining moment of history, but the defining moment of your life. When you commit your life to Christ, when you say yes, as God draws you to himself, changes everything in you, changes everything in you. The greatest decision you'll ever make in following Christ Jesus, the defining moment of your life. Look at this. God involves his children in sharing his message of good news to the world. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, 
But the workers are for you. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You see, God put you in that family for a reason. <laughs> to pray, to encourage, to lead them to Christ. God put you at the school you're in for a reason. God put you in the workplace you're in for a reason. God put you in the neighborhood you're in for a reason. God put you there for a reason on the ball team you're playing on, your kids are playing on for a reason. Be light, be love, be grace. Share Jesus and the hope that you have. It's interesting. We'll talk about sports all day long. We'll talk about influencers on social media or on TikTok or whatever else. But, but when we are called to talk about Jesus, the one that everybody needs, the one that everybody wants and deep down inside because they know there has to be more to life. And God just says, you be a witness. You don't have to have all the answers. Just be a witness. You know, I love Paul because Paul who wrote this, Paul stayed passionate about sharing Jesus all his life. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome. He had never visited the church. He finally ended up in Rome at the end of Acts. In Acts 28, right, he comes as a prisoner, finally makes it to Rome because he's going to stand before Caesar because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in Acts 28, verse 31, that Paul shared Jesus with all boldness and unhindered. And what I love about that is so many people accept Christ and they're so excited. They just want to go tell their family. They want to go tell their friends. They want people around them to know. They want to serve at church. And then as we get older, many times we're kind of like, yeah, yeah, I know I'm a Christian, you know. They kind of lose some of that joy. We lose some of that passion. And what I love about Paul is he kept it all of his life. And you guys, as we get older, we ought to be more excited about Christ. We've got this wisdom, we got this experience, we got the faithfulness of God that he's delivered us, he delivered us, he's delivered us, he's delivered us, and I just want to give him the glory. I want to give him the glory and for us to live like that. See, God has a mission for your life and it's to accept Jesus first and foremost. God's drawing you to himself right here today. God's inviting you into that relationship. But second, to share him with others. <laughs> to share him with others. Man, that is our call you know, I love every week here at Rolling Hills, you're seeing people baptized. And just that boldness and that courage to say in front of everybody, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm dying to my old way of life. I'm walking with Christ. And last week as this mom baptized her two sixth grade kids, her twins. And I love as this mom baptized them both. And then she looked at them and she said, okay, now you go share Jesus with the world. You go encourage others. And I was like, way to go, mom. Good job. You know, it's like just that joy that was right there and passing that on, passing that on and that encouragement. Guys, today is Father's Day. And maybe today is a great day to celebrate. Maybe you're a dad and you're just like, I'm so grateful, so thankful. Or, or maybe today is a hard day. Maybe you didn't have a great, a great tack growing up. And it's hard. Maybe you always wished, you know, for a great dad and maybe your dad walked out on you when you were young. And somehow you have this hurt and this pain, this resentment inside. And, and so every time, you know, you think about God as father, you project that onto God. And I'm just saying, don't project that onto God. God is the perfect father. All of us earthly dads, we'll fall short, we'll mess up. But God never will. Those who believe in him will never perish you have eternal life and there is a God who is with you. There is a God who is for you. There is a God who will be faithful to you all of your days. Trust in him, follow him, walk with him, 
because he loves you. And allow him to step into your life and embrace all that God has for you because your best days are still ahead. Trust him today. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Maybe a day it's starting to make sense. You're like, now I see God all the way from the beginning of the Bible, all the way through. You had a plan. You had a purpose. Your son Jesus coming because God, you had a plan for me. <laughs> that I wouldn't have to spend eternity apart from you because of my sin. That I could spend eternity with you because of your grace. And so today, Jesus, I pray that you would move in our lives. Holy Spirit, come and fall fresh upon us right now. I pray right now, if there's anybody here, who you've never committed your life to Christ, right now, right where you are, just say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. It's not my parents' faith or my country's faith. Right now, my faith. I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. Redeem me. Restore me. I want to be your follower forever. Maybe today there's a place where you've hardened your heart. <laughs> maybe it's salvation or baptism. Or maybe it's praying with your family. Or maybe it's serving a church or joining the church. I don't know, but, but today just don't harden your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to come in. That still small voice you hear right now, that's God speaking to you. Maybe today God's put somebody on your heart. Just like God put the children of Israel on Paul's heart, maybe God's put somebody in your family on your heart. You go, I know I need to share Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I know I need to write an email. I know I need to send a text. I know I need to encourage them. I, I need to let them know. So Father, here we are, your disciples today. God, we need you. You are God, we are not. But Father, what we do know today is that you sent your son to have a relationship with us for eternity. So on this Father's Day, God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for being our Heavenly Father. Thank you for loving us unconditionally. Thank you for rescuing us time and time again and promising that you will never leave us or forsake us. God, we worship you today. We give you our hearts. We give you our lives forever and ever. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with friends and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.